Hey there, this is Ms. Emma Grace on the campus of Huntington University, and you're listening to Rooted. Make sure you subscribe to Rooted on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. You can find us by searching Forrester Radio Rooted. And you can also catch Rooted every Thursday evening at 7 on 105.5 WQHU. And as always, you can stream Forrester Radio anytime, anywhere on Radio FX. Today, I'm sitting down with Summer. All right, Summer. So first, can you just tell me um, what year you are and what your major is? Yeah, so I'm a junior and I'm doing a customized academic program for music psychology for music therapy and mental health. (laughs) (laughs) That opens us up super easily. Yes, Um, yes. So I want to first start off. So on social media, you're a huge advocate Mm -hmm. for um, anyone dealing with mental illnesses and and chronic illnesses. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you just explain like what got you into that? Did you struggle with that yourself? Yeah, um, so when I was 13 years old, I was diagnosed with a rare disease called achalasia. Um, The shortest way to describe it is that my esophagus is paralyzed, but it occasionally remembers it's supposed to have peristalsis, so it spasms up real tight. It kind of feels like a heart attack. Um, And being 13 years old, there were some pretty traumatic tests like I had to go through to be diagnosed. Um, It just really left me mentally scarred, and I didn't know how to mentally deal with that, so I started struggling with depression and anxiety. which kind of later led into um, anorexia and self-harm. So for me, the two are irrevocably tied. If I'm talking Mm -hmm. about physical health, I'm probably going to be talking about mental health because, yeah, they're two pieces of the same puzzle, and you Mm -hmm. have to have those together. So with that, um, just that process and that journey that you went through, when would you say your, like, healing process began? When I was 16, I attempted suicide, um, and that was kind of, like, the big like climactic point of my mental health issues Mm -hmm. but I never like fully and I haven't still fully recovered recovery is a process Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. why I will never say the word recovered I'm always very open about I'm still recovering there's still some things um last year was a major major jump um start in my uh process I met some people that were just really influential in me healing um yeah and some really great books and I kind of really met God the God who heals brokenness and not just the God who judges brokenness, which was really a fascinating change in my mentality. Yeah. So this mentality is like a huge thing right now. And just personally me struggling with it. Um, and just like our friendship that has come from that. I've just noticed and I admire just how big you are on caring for people um, through social media mainly. So that seems to be a big thing right now with mm-hmm. mental health and people just posting how they're really feeling. Um, so what inspired you to just start commenting on people's things? <laughs> <laughs> so there was this book I was reading um, last year called Turn Your Pain Into Art, and I highly recommend it. Um, and she said something about we never see people's breakdowns in the moment. You know, you only hear about like a celebrity suicide attempt or their overdose or their admittance into therapy. You never see that like in real time. And so after that, that really clicked in me. And I'm just like, okay, people are going to see my breakdowns real time and also see the hope that comes from that. But I'm also going to you know, when people are starting to break down, especially I see that a lot on Twitter of people are a lot more vulnerable about how they're feeling in the moment because they can go with that anonymity of it um and so yeah just commenting and it's amazing how much gets like pushed into my direct messages of like yeah I don't want to live anymore and we can talk through that process um often refer them to counseling or a suicide helpline because you know I'm Mm -hmm. 19 years old I can't do much Mm -hmm. and I don't know them and just being that small voice of 
I don't know you, but I still love you and I still see you have human value and your life is worthy of being lived. I think that's really big for people. Have you seen like, have there been any like big moments that have stood out to you and people that you've talked with and just seeing that like, wow, like being such an advocate for this really changed um, how they live? Yeah, there was actually a couple of people like I kind of grew up with and knew a long time. Um, and then last year, I think around February, I did a um, spoof off the 13 Reasons Why and I did 14 Reasons Why to Live. Um, and somebody contacted me and they're like, hey, I was struggling with this all through high school and this is really encouraging in my recovery process. And I just like never knew or never guessed that this person was struggling. And I thought I was good at telling when people were struggling. So it was a big wake up call to always treat people with that kind, that same kindness. But that was one of my big moments. Yeah. And did you have anyone like that um, in your process or in your process even now um, as you're going through things? Yeah. Um, so when I was 13, I encountered a uh, Christian singer by the name of Lacey Sturm um, and her testimony just really like knocked me off my feet. And that was a time where I was kind of doubting my faith. Uh, so that was just really encouraging to me that God could take that brokenness. So I have that. Um, my church is really influential in my life back home. Um, they were just so welcoming, inviting when I was in such a place of brokenness and just kind of helped me develop into the person I am today. Um, and everybody on campus is absolutely so great. I want to talk about, let's talk about just mental health and just like your church. I want to focus in on that aspect of it. Um, just because there's a lot of stigmas between <laughs> churches and mental health. Yes. Um, I just want to hear, what's your experience with the church and mental health? So I kind of grew up where you didn't talk about mental health. Um, it wasn't a thing. Depression was more of a, you're not being joyful. So that's very sinful. Anxiety was definitely sin because the Bible says, do not be anxious. Um, so you just didn't talk about your problems. And that really bugged me. And when I started struggling with things, it just was like overwhelming and kind of just like shut me off from the church for a while. But then I um, really started getting into the heavy metal Christian scene, which is just a weird scene in itself. But it kind of reminded me like, oh, there's Christians who struggle but they still love God and like he still loves them so that was just that was really helpful and for a while music kind of fulfilled that like church body of Christ need in me um and then uh, 2016 15 I believe we moved um to our hometown in Batesville and I, that was just the climactic point um I attempted suicide a week after we're like okay where do we go to church it was just um a mess. We we did, we couldn't find a church. And then randomly my dad comes in my mom's room and he's like, hey, there's this church behind that coffee shop we went to. Let's go there. And it had just been such a terrible week. We needed to be in church as a family. Um, so we went to church and all of a sudden the pastor started talking about suicide, but it wasn't in this very judgmental way. He was talking about how it got broke God's heart and he was just so loving about it and uh, kind of the people who were struggling with those thoughts. So that really struck me. Um, we started going there and now my dad's a pastor there. Um, so it was a crazy turn of events and God really worked it out. Um, I started working in the youth group as a student leader. Um, we had a lot of cases of mental health issues. So I was able to meet and mentor with a lot of girls that were struggling with issues. And that really jumpstarted my recovery process because I had to practice what I mm -hmm. preached. Um, so that was really phenomenal and such a blessing. And now as a CMC on campus, I'm able to do kind of the same thing, just a little differently and with a title. <laughs> as far as like friends and even just like developing friendships, um, 
that can be really hard um, with mental health <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> um, as far as for you, what has friendships look like? Um, are you super open about it? Um, are you closed off about it? I'm probably too open. I think I freak people so out sometimes. Like, I'm just very open that, like, yeah, I have scars. Or, yeah, sometimes I'm scam tempted to not eat today and whatever. And I think it kind of scares people off. But um, often I think people are attracted to that, like, brilliant vulnerability it's kind of like a fly with a light like you just see that light it's gonna hurt a little bit but it's still light um so it can be really interesting I have a really great group of friends though that I can be very upfront with and be like hey you know this was really triggering upsetting I'm working through these emotions heck last year I spent a couple nights on some friends floors just because I didn't want to be alone that night because there were some triggers um so yeah vulnerability vulnerability always that word always comes back to it <laughs> do you think like being vulnerable has like really helped um with your mental health and just like instead of bottling it up yeah I am I always had the issue of bottling up problems as a kid and my mom would always be like summer it's just gonna explode one day and I'm like whatever mom um <laughs> so then when I started being very authentic and very very vulnerable about my recovery journey. I've only seen good things come from it. I've gotten a little bit of hate, um, sometimes especially with the self-care thing, because I'm very open about like, oh, I'm resting or, oh, I'm taking time to be loving towards myself today. And some people are just like, don't you have more important things to do? No, 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 no. <laughs> self-care is key. Um, but yeah, it's helped me like get past that. And it helps a lot with accountability because when people know you're struggling, they're going to be able to pick out your triggers and just be like, hey, I know that upset you. Let's talk about it. Um, so it can go both ways. It can help you, but it also can help other people help you, which is, I think is really important in friendships. Like if I'm friends with you, I want to know how I can help you. Exactly. And what does self-care look for you? Because there's a lot of different versions of self-care. Yeah. Um, so for me, sometimes it's basic survival. I'm a very, very busy person. Um, so like making sure I shower every day, I make my bed, my laundry is done, my room is clean because I have OCD tendencies. So my room has to be clean for me to be sane. Just simple things like those are self-care. But if I'm really needing a self-care reset, which happens quite frequently when like there's a massive trigger or I have a breakdown or it's just been an exhausting week. Um, I'll, I usually take a night off. I won't allow myself to do homework and I'll do like more pampery things like taking a longer shower. Um, somebody helped me instate a self-care plan and um, we have Face Mask Friday on there. Of That's just five minutes. I have to sit down and that's fantastic for somebody who's always high energy. Go, 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 go. Yeah, but just the basics, honestly, for me are just key to survival, but also like making sure like, oh, you can get dessert today or small things like that is really important to not have a super restrictive, um, self-destructive mentality. With your self-care and specifically like allowing yourself to like eat a cupcake, um, which I've even heard you <laughs> say like multiple times. Yeah. Like I allow myself, you know, um, for you, just like from your previous experience with anorexia and stuff, like how does that make life a little bit difficult now? Um, because of my disease, I do have to have a slightly restricted diet. Um, and I notice myself tending to restrict it more just because it gives me that control. Cause for me, anorexia was all about the control over the situation and kind of hurting my body back. Um, so for me, it looks like, yeah, I'm going to sit down with this can of icing right now. Cause I'm sad and I'm going to eat it and I'm not going to let my brain beat me up over it. Um, which can be really interesting. And I still have major body checking tendencies and guilt. Um, but 
yeah, just taking those important steps to like, I'm not feeling guilty about this. And even if I do feel guilty, it's that initial resolve of this is this is good. This is good for me. Um, so it's difficult, but I schedule in my meal times every single day so it gets done. I have people check in on me when it's a really bad day or a really rough trigger. Yeah, and I would say like, I know for me, like self-affirmation, I guess, mm-hmm. or even just like telling myself it's okay is like huge. And um, I know that is for you. And just like having people check in on mm-hmm. you, like did you specifically go to those people or did they just decide themselves they want to? Because I'm very vulnerable about my struggle, a lot of people tend to be like, oh, have that in their back, in the back of their mind. And I had a situation last year where a friend caught me in the lounge and she's like, did you eat dinner yet? And I'm like, no, I was going to go do that. She's like, well, you better eat dinner. Her friend's like, does she not eat? I'm like, I eat now. <laughs> so yeah, you don't really ask for it. And it does have some funny um, consequences, but I live with them because they, they are kind of funny to laugh at later. They may be frustrating at the time, but it's good to like kind of be open about that and yeah, it's nice to know people care enough to like check in that you've had dinner or you ate after your exhausting workout, things like that. Just as far as joking about mental health, everyone kind of <laughs> has their own little thing. For you, what do you think? Like more so people you don't know and don't know you who just kind of joke about mental health. Jokes about mental health make me very uncomfortable because I've always seen them go too far. I actually did my persuasive speech last year on why jokes about suicide actually can trigger suicide. And also for me, like I tend to joke about things I'm struggling with at the moment. So when people are just very casually joking about suicide, I'm going to start worrying about them just because for me, when I start joking about that, that's a bad state of mind. That's going to lead to some negative thinking later on. Um, But yeah, when friends catch me joking about it, they sit me down like, are you okay? do we need to talk um but yeah it just it makes me very anxious it can be very triggering um I get that it's important to laugh about things but at the same time be cognizant of who's around you who you may be triggering um and you never really know what's going on behind people's eyes honestly are there any like just final things surrounding just the topic of mental health or chronic illness or like um kind of like unsaid things that people don't understand yeah there's always hope um That's a really important one, especially living with an incurable disease. Maintaining that sense of hope um, can be really important. And uh, just know, like, you don't always know what people are dealing with. Um, Be careful when you call people flaky because they cancel plans. You don't know what's flaring, what panic attack they're having, what's upsetting them. Um, Just be careful and kind. Honestly, I say smiles, say lives, save lives because it's a cute thing to tell kids to do, but it's so true. Just the smallest action can make a huge difference in somebody's mental health or physical health journey. And then here at Forest Radio, how can we pray for you this year? Oh gosh, just maintaining my sanity, honestly. I'm I'm living a crazy life right now and it's all great, fantastic things and opportunities, but it's a lot. So yeah, keeping those self-care routines. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Summer, for joining us on this episode of Rooted. And thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Rooted on your preferred podcast app. And remember, you can listen to Forrester Radio 105.5 WQHU over there in Huntington or anytime, anywhere on Radio FX. Stay rooted, H.U.